this is my mom. This is my little brother, Kai. All right, her name's Natasha, by the All way. Right. Uh, and I am Ethan. Yeah. The first candle was the candle of promise, reminding us of the fulfilled promise that we have in the Messiah. It is in this promise that we can rest assured we have forgiveness and reconciliation with God the Father. In this promise we find our salvation. It is in the promise we know something greater is yet to come. Today's candle is the candle of joy when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The angels brought good news of great joy which shall be to all people. The good news of Jesus' birth and the promise of peace are still tidings of great joy for us today. Let us walk in joy this Advent season as we recognize... Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his health and whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. <clears throat> but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise, Praise the, the Lord. Lord. Father God, we thank you for Son, Jesus, and the joy he brings. We thank you for the beauty and glory he represents. We thank you for the joy that he brings to us in the Advent season and throughout our lives every day. We choose joy in spite of our circumstances, and may we choose joy in every area of our lives. May we pray that joy will reign in us today and always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You did great. So we're talking about joy today. And uh, here's my question as I start out today is, Think in your mind something that makes you happy. What is it in your life that makes you happy? Think for a moment. I'll give you a second. Some of you are never happy, so it's going to take a few years to go back. Others of you are happy about everything. You're like, everything! It's a beautiful day! So what makes you happy? See, because sometimes people confuse happiness and joy. And the problem is, happiness is fading and conditional based on circumstance. I'm happy when I'm doing this, and I'm not when this happens. But see, joy, on the other hand, is a state of being. It's not conditional. It's not fading. It doesn't matter what goes on around me. If I learn to have a life of joy, I'm experiencing that no matter what outside things come against me. So the problem is we oftentimes associate happiness and joy, we equate them as the same. And so if I'm not happy about where I'm at in life, whether it's a bad job or a difficult decision to make or struggles in my marriage or physical ailments, if I'm not happy, then I don't feel like I can have joy. But see, the scripture tells us something different. We get confused because we believe that if things aren't perfect, then how can I possibly have joy? See, I want you to understand a few things joy is not. Joy is not having things always work out. How many of you ever, ever struggled with your kids because of decisions they've made? Okay, so I'm not alone. So joy would be robbed if that's what it were because I get frustrated by decisions my kids have made. 
It doesn't always work out. I've talked before about there's things like disease and pain and addiction. Those things, if you're relying on happiness, I'm not going to be happy when I'm in the middle of that. During, some of you know that have been around for a while, I had cancer in 2014. And then it creeped back in in 2018. I wasn't happy either time. And yet, it didn't dictate my life day to day. Because my life is not dictated by the circumstances because joy exists in me. It didn't define who I was because life is bigger than that. Joy does not mean you're never going to face trials. The old ignorance is bliss is not true. You can be ignorant and ignore things and it doesn't necessarily bring you happiness or joy. See, if anything, ignorance is just that. It's ignoring what's going on around you. Joy does not mean you'll never have fear. There are things in life that scare us, things in life that will challenge us. It's not that idea of perpetual bliss, but it is this. It's a sense of overcoming what seems to overwhelm other people. It's a reliance on who he is and also an understanding on who I am in God. That's what can bring me joy. Joy is not not believing bad things are going to happen. It's knowing no matter what I face, God is still in control. Joy is the presence of God. Now, I printed out my scriptures because I have several of them to read, and so I just printed them out here. But at first is Isaiah 12, 6. The presence of God. It says, Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. First thing is, joy is the very presence of God. When I learn to have the presence of God in my life on a daily basis... Not just something that when I show up on Sundays, but something that I walk day to day and I experience genuine presence of God, I'm going to begin to understand what joy is. It tells us in Galatians that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. That Spirit, the very Holy Spirit of God, is dwelling and present in me. And when that's happening, the very Spirit of joy begins to live in me and exist in me. When I'm filled by the presence of God, when I'm filled by the Spirit of God, I can experience joy. When I'm not, when that's lacking, not because I'm lacking, but because I'm not in touch and in tune with God, then I'm going to always be struggling because things are never going to be perfect. That the presence of God is what's going to bring me joy. The second thing, a recognition of the beauty of God very present in my life. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Ooh, that's good. Inexpressible and glorious. I like those adjectives. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, a recognition of the beauty of God being present in your life. That's going to create joy in you. When I start to say, you know what? Even though I'm in this dark circumstance, even though I'm in this trying time, you know what? God is still present. And I begin to look for him even in the darkness. I begin to look for him even in the storm. I begin to look for him even in the doubt. I've told you before, doubt is not a bad thing. It's when I stop in the middle of the doubt and I give up and I say, God can't be real because otherwise I would have experienced him. Otherwise I would have had this sign. Otherwise bad things wouldn't happen. No, that's not true. Because we are in a broken and fallen world. Thus, we have to learn How to experience joy in the midst of brokenness, not in spite of brokenness. 
And when we're looking for joy in spite of brokenness, then we're always going to be wanting just a little bit more. I got to have something else. I got to experience something else. I've got to do something else. I'm not doing enough. I'm not living enough. And so then we begin to chase and we're left exhausted and empty because it's not something that we chase. It's something that we dwell in. It's something we experience. It's something that's real and alive when the presence of God is with us and in us. I want to encourage you today, if you're not experiencing joy, you're not doing something wrong. You just haven't experienced God in that way. The third thing that joy is a result of is it's a result of learning to trust God. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we learn to trust God, not just say the words, but start living in that, saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God's in control. When I start to really believe that and I start to live that, then a lot of the things that distract me become inconsequential and begin to fade away. They become secondary to the life I'm living. When I begin to really grasp that. See, so oftentimes, especially for those of us who have lived our whole lives in church, we learn to put on this face or this act. I look good enough. I got to dress right. I got to act right. I got to look right. And that's why I say all the time, it's more important that you know that you belong here then you believe exactly like me. Because once you know you belong here, you'll begin to be safe here. And once you feel safe here, you'll begin to really discover more of who God is. But as long as I have to put up this act, as long as I have to put up these walls, as long as I have to look a certain way, and my kids have to do a certain thing, and that kind of thing, as long as I do that, I'm not going to really trust God because I won't really be vulnerable. Vulnerability is what leads to trusting God. I say all the time, the same way you get over a breakup when you're like 15 is the same way that you learn to trust in God. Time and consistency. When you break up, all you need is a little bit of time and a little bit of space, and suddenly you look back and you go, well, my first boyfriend wasn't really... Well, I mean, I'm not saying for you that... But that wasn't such a bad relationship. You see him at the 10-year class reunion and say hello and introduce him to your spouse. You know, it's not that bad. But in the moment, it seems like your life is going to end. The same thing is true of our relationship with God. It takes time and consistency. When we're consistent, God is always constant. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always going to show up. The question is, are we going to allow him into our life? Are we going to give him that place where we connect with him, where we learn, where we grow? And see, that time and consistency strengthens our relationship with God. And once we begin to do that, then we're going to experience joy, not because of what we've done, but again, because of who he is. The very nature of God, the very fruit of a spirit of a life filled with God is joy. And so today, when we talked about joy earlier, it's not about that making sure that things are going well. It's about whatever circumstance I am. As Paul said, it doesn't matter what circumstance I'm in, that's where I'm going to be content. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world around me, I'm going to experience joy. And that joy is going to pour through me into the lives of others. I describe it this way. I've I've used this analogy before, but we used to go to SeaWorld when we lived in San Diego at annual passes, and we would go once or twice a month. 
And for much of the year, it didn't matter if it was winter or summer, my son liked to sit in what they called the soak zone. And they would let you know at the whale show, it's not the splash zone. It's not that you might get a little wet zone. It's the soak zone. And there we are sitting there. I remember one year going on Christmas Day in the afternoon. He's sitting in the second row. The place is empty. And he is going nuts trying to get that whale to splash him. And he's really like there's like six people in the entire soak zone. And he's going nuts. And he gets, and then that whale comes up and just douses him and drenches him. And he walks out and he's got the biggest smile on his face as his hair's like just long stringy. He's about eight or nine years old and he's just soaked. And we would bring a bag with extra clothes. And we'd go and we'd change him. And we live close enough that like we live close enough to the park that you could ride your bikes there if we chose to. And I remember one time we decided we were going to go back to the Shamu After Dark show. And he's like, I'm sitting in the soak zone again. I was like, it's like 7.30 at night on Christmas night. This is really how you want to spend your evening? He's like, yep. And I warned him, we have no more clothes that are dry. And he looks at me and with all vigor, he goes, I want that whale to soak me. I want that to be our passion for God to bring us joy. I want to be soaked. I'm tired of us, just at least me, maybe it's just me, but I'm tired of going, well, sure, I'll take a little bit of this as long as it doesn't cost me anything. I'll give a little bit to God out of my pocket. I'll give a little bit of God of my time. I'll give a little bit of God as long as it doesn't really cost me anything. I just kind of want to touch. I don't really want to soak. I want to sit in about the 14th row where I might get a little water on my shoes just so that I can go, oh, that was fun. But my son, I want that whale to soak me. Second time in the same day. And we're driving home. And I had a blanket in my car. And I'm like, you are insane. And he's got a smile from ear to ear. Because that whale soaked him. And that's what I want for us. I want that joy in our lives. But it's not just because things are going good. I want that joy when bad things happen. Yesterday, while we were at the funeral... I was in the middle of grief and I'm trying to control my grief as I'm talking about my friend that died. And there was a point at which I was like, I remember thinking, she brought me great joy in life. And yet, in the midst of that, I wasn't overwhelmed by grief. I experienced grief. But in the midst of it all, I thought, this isn't what she would want. I was having that conversation with somebody yesterday that when we left... Right before we left, they were like, today was more like a party. And I was like, yeah, that's what a memorial is supposed to be. It's a celebration of the life of your friend. We had 40 people make food, set up tables, set up chairs, clean up the building. We had 40 people involved in a funeral. Why? Because when we do it, we do it like a party. Because it's remembering who our friend was. And that's a cause for joy. So yeah, there are times in our life where we will experience grief, but the beauty is when God is there and when God is present and when God is overwhelming us and when we're standing in the soak zone of God, I experience joy and I want God to soak me. I want that for you and I want that for me. A result of the recognition of the freedom he brings us. Isaiah 35, 10 says this. It's talking about when they come back from being in slavery. And it says, And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will be on their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. 
Sorrow and sighing are going to flee away, not because of what we do, but because of what we've experienced. And we've experienced freedom. And that freedom comes when we allow God to begin to break down all that stuff that we're holding back, all that hardness, all that pain, all that bitterness, all the things the world has done to us and thrown on us from the time you were born until today just continues to mount up. But then we allow God to begin to work in there. And it's a process. And that's the thing is, we want instantaneous. We're an instantaneous society. We want the microwave version of God, not the, oh, this takes time and patience and development. It takes time and consistency. It takes me actually engaging in the Word of God and discovering who He is and spending time with other believers. And it's a lot easier if I just had it instantly. But the reality is, the truth is, it takes time. And as I take that time, then I'm going to experience more and more and more of that freedom. Once I've experienced the freedom that only God can bring, how can I not cry out in joy? That's literally what they're saying is, when you've experienced, they went from being in slavery to being free. And those that came home, they celebrated. They experienced joy. Just in your own mind, how many of you know that you've been trapped before? You've been stuck by addiction. You've been struck by disease. You've been struck by just circumstances in life. Difficult job situations. Difficult marriage situations. Difficult family situations. When we discover freedom from those, then suddenly, when we recognize that freedom, how can we not be overwhelmed with joy? Gladness and joy will overtake them. I want to be overtaken by joy. I want to be soaked by God so that I experience his joy. I'm tired of sitting back and being just a little bit of splash on my shoes. I want to be soaked. I want to be fully engaged in that experience. So here's my questions to you today before we leave. Only you can answer these, but it will begin to help your thought process. Do I experience joy in my life? Is my life filled with joy? Some of you would probably go, yes. Some of you would probably say, no. Some of you would probably want to give me the caveat. It would be if this, you know, you want to give me the geometric proof. Well, if this, then this. It's a question only you can answer, but is your life experiencing joy. Second question that goes right with it, if not, what steps do you need to take to experience God in that way? And sub-question of the second question is what does this look like for you? If I'm going to experience God in this way, what does that look like? And then the third and final question I have as you walk out today. Do other people experience joy simply because they encounter me? I had a great youth pastor. He was a youth pastor for 14, 15 years, something like that. Same, basically the same church. He was just an awesome youth pastor. And um, I had him from 8th grade all the way through high school. And he stayed long after that. And one of the things we'd say is he was so nerdy and so dorky and so odd in so many ways. He had a brilliant mind and he would say things that were way over our head and we didn't understand what he was talking about. But the one thing I'd see is I'd see all these other kids who had these youth pastors that were so cool and would do all these awesome things. And what I discovered was 
when you walked away from these other youth pastors, you'd think, man, that guy's cool. And when you walked away from my youth pastor, Steve, you'd think, man, God is so good. We would see Jesus in him, not how cool he was. And I decided that's who I want to be. I don't want to be the cool guy. I don't think I could if I tried. I want to be the guy who when people walk away from, they've experienced God in a real way. When other people encounter me, do they experience joy? It doesn't mean I don't have pain. It doesn't mean I'm not honest. I got to be real and honest. I got to say some days are just tough days. Some days are bad. Some days are going to be filled with loss. But as a life, do people experience joy? Do people experience God because they've encountered me? Because if not, i got to ask myself, what am I doing? I've told you guys many times, one of the greatest things the church could do is if you just spend a little less time being a jerk, maybe people would see God a little more. Maybe if we were just a little nicer, the church wouldn't have such a bad reputation in society and the world. Maybe if we weren't judgmental, if we were, really were just accepting of people and allowed the Holy Spirit to do his job, but us to do ours, maybe we wouldn't get such a bad rap on the news. Because, see, as much as I want people to encounter God, it's up to me to represent who he is, to allow them to experience joy in their life. Because I may be the only representation somebody has with God. So it's not preach at them. It's not condemn them. It's love all, serve all, and let the Holy Spirit work all that other stuff out. I've had people say, Jeff, you've got to talk about this because we've got people in our church doing this. And I'll say, how about this? I'll continue to talk about the love and grace that God offers and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to deal with them. Because you got issues. I know I got them too. But see, the Holy Spirit is constantly at work and he's desiring for so much more for us. That encounter with God to make it real and true and life-changing. It's time and consistency because he wants you to have a life that's filled with joy. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for gathering place. God, for those who aren't here today that are just struggling because of the grief that they're feeling over the funeral yesterday. God, I know that there's people who just today said they couldn't be here. I just pray that you'd be a comfort and a peace to them. God, for those who are in our congregation that are sick, that aren't able to be here today, I pray for your strength and your touch. Lord, make them well and make them whole. God, for those who are in this room today that are saying, I don't even, I don't even know why I came or how I got here today because I'm in pain and I'm lonely and I'm afraid and I'm isolated and I'm depressed. God, I pray that you would give them comfort. I pray that you would let them experience the joy that comes only from you. Not in a sense of ignorance, but in a sense of hope. And God, I pray for those who are struggling with addiction and other brokenness today. God, give them one more day where they're clean, one more day where they're sober, one more day where they have hope to hold on to to you. God, for those who are challenging, facing challenges in their marriage and in their family, Lord, be a peace to them. Let them know that you are with them. God, I just thank you for this congregation. May we represent you well, and may we show joy in all we do in your name. Amen.
Hey, thanks for coming. I hope to see you next week. Um, remember, we have uh, Advent throughout the month of December, and it's a great time to invite a friend, a neighbor, a family member. We'd love to have them be a part. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.